once you're caught up on everything that's going on here at the Way Bible Church, we invite you to give God a huge round of applause as we invite Pastor Joel to the platform as he starts his brand new series this week. Amen. Give God a good hand clap of praise this morning. Amen. He's good. I'll give God a better hand clap than that. Come on. He's awesome. We serve an amazing God. Everybody say new season. Say fresh start. Hey, I believe at TWBC, a lot of people celebrate the fall because everything is dying and going into winter. At TWBC, we celebrate the fall because it's a new season, and every new season is time for a fresh start in your life. So we want you to get a fresh start this morning. Thank you for being right here with us at TWBC. Hey, I want to reiterate three things really quick. If you have not signed up for Next Steps, don't miss out on your opportunity. It starts next Sunday. It's a three-week course, and since this is a five-Sunday month, we're doing it the second, third, and fourth week of September. And so so Pastor Damon, stand up real quick. If you need to be a part of Next Steps, holler at this guy right here. He wants to get you in touch and find your place of fulfillment right here at TWBC. And Group Life, sign up for it. Only in Northeast Texas can God do this miracle. A scuba diving group life. It's awesome. And so you got uh, group life opportunities here. And here's the thing. We got group life divided up into three different categories. Serve groups. Grow groups where you're growing in relationships and no groups, knowledge-based groups where you're growing in the knowledge of the Lord. And we believe this at TWBC, for a believer to be completely fulfilled in all aspects, you don't need to be a part of one group. You really need to be in all three groups. You need to serve because you need to pour out and give out what God is giving in. You need to be a part of a no group because we believe as God pours into you, as you pour out, God will pour back into you. And also we want you to grow relationally with other people because we do believe this and we know this for a fact. But it does take a group of believers to help you be the Christian you're called to be. A lot of people always said, well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian, but you do have to get a group to be a successful Christian. Amen? Most people who don't have a group aren't successful in their Christian walk. They don't have anybody to encourage them when they're down or hold them accountable when, when they're going astray. I want you to find a group of people to find friends, discover your purpose, and encounter God with at TWBC because we are all about life change. And we want you to encounter God in a way that you will leave completely different than ever before. And finally this. Everybody say three. We got three services coming up, baby. Come on. Are you excited about that? That's going to be awesome. And here's why it is so awesome. Because we're out of room, we had to make more room for your friends and for your family. We're out of room at TWBC. We have people in the balcony in both services, and we realize that, hey, we can't build a building quick enough. Even if God dropped every penny we needed for the building to be paid for today in our checking account, it's still going to be a year out before we can even have the building built if that were to happen today. So if you want to drop all the money we need into the church checking account, feel free to write your check to TWBC, amen, and, and we'll make that happen. But it's still a year out at most if we broke ground today, and so we have no choice but to go to three services. And isn't it awesome that God is doing such an amazing thing here in Northeast Texas that we have to go to three services, amen? And listen, it's not about our comfort, it's about our faith. God didn't call us to safe places, He called us to faith places, amen? And in this, we're taking a big step of faith as TWBC. And we believe this, that we're stepping out of our safe comfort zone and we're going to a faith place where we know God's going to continue to see souls saved, lives changed, and expand His kingdom at TWBC. Amen? If you're excited, give God a good hand clap of praise about that. So don't just clap for it. Show up for it. Amen? 
and bring somebody with you and bring your friends and your family. As you're turning in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter number 5, verse number 1 is where we're going to kick off this morning's series. The Gospel of John, chapter number 5 and verse number 1. And the series is called Lift, L-Y-F-T. And we've got this series and it's called Lift and we, we stole the logo, okay? I'm just going to be honest, like we're a church, right? So confess your sins one to another that you can be forgiven. Like there's a company out there called Lift. And rather than reinvent the wheel, we just stole the logo, right? Yeah. And so well, as pastors, we got this running joke. Shh, it's going all around the world. So plug your ears online, okay? We say this, if you've got eyes, plagiarize, right? No, we're not plagiarizing, right? But what that means is there's nothing new under the sun. And the Bible even says there's nothing new under the sun. And so we thought as we were developing this series called Lift, why don't we just develop it in a way where people can understand what Lift really means? And there's a company out there called Lift, and it's spelled L-Y-F-T. And it's a lot like Uber or Grab. And um, if you're not familiar with those, I had a, a, a friend that I ran into at a conference uh, a while back. And um, he was uh, of the older generation, the prime generation, the prime time. And he said, hey, Joel. How do you get me one of them Ubers? And I'm like, what's a Uber? He's like, you know the car that comes picks you up. You just punch something. I need a Uber. I said, an Uber. That's what I said, a Uber. And I'm like, okay, we'll get you a Uber. And, and so we got him a Uber and brought it. But Lyft is a company like that. It's a ride share company like Uber or Grab. And, and Lyft is a transportation network company based out of San Francisco, California, operating in 640 cities in the United States and nine cities in Canada. And it develops markets and operates the Lyft mobile app. And now Lyft, this company, which started out small in San Francisco, is worth $15.1 billion dollars. 15.1 billion dollars and here's what they do they specialize in transportation through cars through electronic scooters and through bicycles what if your next 15.1 billion dollars was as close as a bicycle what if your next 15 what if your first 15.1 billion dollars come on let's get real what if your first 15.1 billion dollars was as common as the bicycle in your garage and you didn't know it what if your next breakthrough was as close to you as the bicycle in your garage that you never ride? What if the very thing God wants to use to give you a lift is so common you've overlooked it? A man had an idea. I'm going to leave bikes in strategic places all over a city. And I'm going to rent them out with a mobile app. And my $15.1 billion came on a bicycle that I didn't have to put gas in, that people actually have to use their own energy and pay me for it. <laughs> Come on, somebody. What if your next breakthrough was as close as a bicycle? And I believe in the house of God this morning, your breakthrough is truly that close. We just got to know what we're looking for in, the, in this series that we're doing. And so Lyft was created because people were in a place that they no longer needed to be but didn't have the means of transportation to get to where they were supposed to be how many of you that defines your spiritual life and not just your spiritual life your actual life because I think a lot of times we miss it in church because we categorize everything as spiritual and not spiritual when everything is actually really spiritual come on somebody 
And we think this part of your life is segmented from this part of your life, but actually this part of your life, your spiritual life, has everything to do with your physical life. And so I think we miss it a lot of times by, by segmenting them and separating them. So in your life, whether it be a spiritual issue, whether it be an issue of the soul, the mind, will, and the emotions, or a physical issue in your life, some of you and a lot of us in this house need a lift because we're no longer where we used to be but we're not where we're supposed to be, so we're caught somewhere in the middle, and we need a lift. We need something to help change us, to get us to where we're supposed to be. And in your life today, David talks about it like this, and I hope this doesn't categorize your life. David even referred to how much he needed a lift because he said, as I leave here and go to here, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Somebody say, I need a lift. <laughs> In your life, all of us at some point will need a lift because we'll have finished being in an area where we were supposed to be, but not in the area where we need to be. And there's this gap in the middle of how do I get from here to here? And there's got to be a mode or method of transportation. Lift calls it cars, bikes and scooters. But in us, we know it's the Holy Spirit that's going to get us from here to here. But what do we do during the time frame in the middle? So Lyft was created to get people to where they needed to be. And if you're in a place where you no longer need to be, but you don't have to get the means to get to where you're supposed to be, you feel stuck. Have you ever felt stuck in your life? You just feel stuck. God, I, can't, I don't see where I'm going, but I know I'm not going back from where I came from. I just feel stuck in the middle. You need somebody to literally give you a lift. How many of y'all have ever in your teenage years been driving a car and you run off the road and you get stuck in a ditch and you need somebody to give you a lift out of the ditch? Or how many of y'all were just crazy like I was back in the day and you just drove off in a pasture, you know, and you're doing all the donuts and you end up getting stuck and you, just, you needed a lift? Somebody to get you out of the stuck situation in your life that you're in. And so this morning we're going to read the account of a man in the gospel of John chapter number five who needed a breakthrough and in this that he needed a breakthrough we're going to find out what he was lacking but we're going to find out what God is wanting to bring him into so whatever you need a lift in in your life I want you to begin to think about what you don't have in your life because a lot of us need a lift because we don't have the skills the time the talent the ability or we don't have the right solution to get us where we're supposed to be and if you had one wish that could be answered right now to get you where you were supposed to be, you would still get stuck on where you're supposed to be because you don't have the time, talent, skill, abilities, or solutions to get you to the next part of your life. So at all points in your life, everybody is always in need of a lift in your life. So John chapter number five, verse number one, the title of this morning's message is, Need a Lift? And you can be somebody else's lift this morning you also can get lifted. John chapter number 5, verse number 1, and it says this. After this, there was a feast. Everybody say amen. amen. Hey, that should already make you happy. They like to eat in the Bible. We like to eat here. Praise the Lord. After this, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethsaida which has five roofed colonnades. And in these lay a multitude of invalids, of blind, 
lame and paralyzed. One man was there. He had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? Some versions say, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and he walked. Everybody say, I need a lift. As we break down this, um, this passage of scripture this morning over the next few minutes, I want you to think about the area of life that you need a lift in. It could be physically, it could be emotionally, it could be in the area of your intellect, that you're not uh, knowledgeable enough in an area to get to where you need to be. It could be in your spiritual life, you're just in a dry uh, state, you, you have just the, ugh, I can't really get into reading, I can't really get into worship, the song that used to get me to where I wanted to be in the presence of God isn't working anymore, like it's the song's fault, <laughs> right? So think about the area of life that you need a lift in. And it says in the verse number two, it says, Now there in Jerusalem, near the sheep gate, a pool, which in Aramaic means Bethsaida, which the actual name of Bethsaida literally means house of mercy. So every time you read that word, Bethsaida, it's saying house of mercy. So you can read the scripture like this. Now there in Jerusalem, near the sheep gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called house of mercy, which it is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. Now, Bethsaida means house of mercy, but I love this because it says it was surrounded by five covered colonnades. So get this, the place is called house of mercy. In the Bible, the number five represents grace. And so literally the people that were blind and lame and, and invalid and paralyzed, needing a miracle for God, were already in the house of mercy under the covering of grace because grace was holding up the roofs of the colonnade. In the house of God this morning, all the elements are right, just like it was here, for you to receive any miracle that you need. I believe this place, TWBC, is a house of mercy where God will show his mercy to his children and to the people who love him and are seeking after him. I also believe that this place is growing because of the grace of God, not because of Pastor Joel's preaching. Amen. And here's what I mean by that. The reason the church, the Way Bible Church, is growing the way it's growing is not because we're so good. It's because his grace is so prevalent. It's because his grace is so powerful. And I like to think when I was creating and crafting this message, as I began to walk into the building this morning, I declared this, this is a house of mercy. And the roof is held, roof is held up by the colonnades of his grace. Therefore, we're in a house of mercy covered by the grace of God where all the elements are right for your miracle, the lift you need to happen in the house of God this morning. This man was laying in the house of mercy under the colonnades of grace for 38 years. He needed a lift. He needed somebody to get him to where he couldn't go to. So as this is happening this morning, I want us to focus on something. If we are in a house of mercy and it's held up by the grace of God and we're growing by the grace of God, if all we see is what eliminates us, we will miss out on the power that is waiting on us. Some of us, 
we're so concerned why we need a lift and all we're seeing is what eliminates us we're missing out on the power that's waiting on us so many times we come into church and because we're focusing on the issue that we've just came through in the week we're focusing on our issue more than the God who can fix the issue we're focusing on the forgiveness rather than the God who is forgiving we're focusing on the bitterness rather than becoming better and with that we walk into the house of mercy held up by the grace of God and we come here and we take a seat and we're so fixed on what eliminates us we miss the power that's waiting on us to give us the lift that we need to get us to the next area of our life and so I want to ask you a question this morning before we go any farther in the message where is your focus today is your focus on what is eliminating you or is your focus shifting now to the God who wants to empower you? And I ask this for a specific reason. Because I've missed so many of the blessings of God in my life because I was focusing on my inadequacies rather than the enablement of God. I missed opportunities to pray for people in the grocery store because I was focusing on my fear rather than the faith that God had in me. I've missed opportunities to buy people lunch because of my inadequacies or my inferiorities rather than the power of God who was enabling me. I've missed opportunities to go and just be the body of Christ and talk to people because I was concerned with my calendar rather than the communion of the saints. Come on, somebody. And I've missed so many movements of God, the power that was waiting on me because I was focusing on what was eliminating me. And I want to tell you this, if God was waiting on you to be perfect before he could do a movement in you, he would be waiting for an eternity. A lot of us are thinking, when I get this right, then I'll do something. God's saying, if you'll start doing something, then I'll help you get it right. And if, we're, and if we use the excuse we're constantly waiting on God, I don't believe we're waiting on God ever. I believe God is always waiting on us. I believe the answer is always waiting on us. God's just ready for us to step into the answer. And because of our inadequacies, we miss the empowerment or the enablement of God because we're so focused on what we don't have, on the skill we don't have, on the talent we don't have, on the intellect we don't have, on the time we don't have, on the things that separate us and keep us from our potential that we miss the empowerment that God's trying to use to get us to our potential. And God will sometimes use you in your greatest area of weakness so when you get there, you know that he's God. Come on, somebody. God wants to use you even in your inabilities as much as in your abilities. So all the things that you're using to count you out, God's saying, I'm using to count you in. All the things that you're saying the world has set up to make me fail, God says, those are in your life so I can show you the power of me to make you a success. So what have you done to count yourself out? What have you done for you to sit here this morning under the, in the house of mercy, being held up by the colonnades of God's grace, and our excuses are still the same? Now listen, our city, just, 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 just the city of Sulphur Springs, and, and, and we can go to the county, but then we got to go to the four-county area because we got people from Delta County coming, from Franklin County coming, from all the counties around Hopkins County coming to TWC. So we go to the counties directly surrounding us, Guys, there are 60,000 people 
in the area of our 30 minute reach that have excuses this morning of why they're not in church and we're trying to make excuses of why we don't need three services when we got 60,000 people within our 30 minute drive that say we don't need three services we need 30 services but the services don't need to be in this building they need to be by you going out and serving the reason it's called services is because you come and there's an area of need that you have that the gospel is supposed to meet we are supposed to be the service to somebody out there in the community the gospel that meets the need that they have and when we'll stop making excuses on why we're not big enough, we're not good enough, we live out in the country and all this other stuff, and our church is in the middle of nowhere, but if God's going to put a church in the middle of nowhere, it means he's wanting to start a movement somewhere, hallelujah. And praise God, why not us? I often found this very creative, awesome God that we have unique in the way he does stuff. God, why, if you're wanting to do a movement, do you take people to the middle of nowhere? So that way they know it's God. He brought John the Baptist out into the wilderness and people came from all over the place to be baptized by John the Baptist. He brought Ezekiel out in the middle of a dry valley to see a whole army of God stand up on their feet only by the power of God. So if God's going to do a movement and he brought us out in the middle of nowhere to plant a church out here, that means he's wanting to start a movement somewhere. And if you haven't been here very long, he started a movement somewhere that we now got to take everywhere and operate in the power of God. And so, listen, in this, I want to ask you the question. If all we see is what eliminates us, we will miss the power of God that's waiting on us. All the elements for the miracle that you need right here this morning are already present. They're already present. It's called God's mercy and God's grace. That's all you need. And when you apply your faith to it, it begins to happen. Things begin to change. Things begin to turn. Now listen, research shows this. The number one meditation in our heart, the things that play over and over in our mind more than anything else is the phrase, not enough. Not enough. How much sleep did you get last night? Not enough. <laughs> How much money's in your checking account? <laughs> not enough. <laughs> How much time is in your calendar? Not enough, right? How many kids you got? More than enough, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> In this life, the thing that we meditate on more than anything is the phrase not enough in some form or fashion. Why didn't you get the promotion? Your first thought is, I guess I wasn't good enough. There was not enough within me to get me to the place that I wanted to be or I believe I was even supposed to be. So now I still need a lift. How about the talents you have? They're not good enough. So I'm not going to go through next steps to go and help with, uh, teach children's church because I'm not enough. How much Bible knowledge do you have to serve? Not enough. The thing I hear more than anything about why people won't start a group and get a group life going is they don't feel qualified enough. When if you got the Spirit of God in you, you're already qualified enough. We'll give you the physical training that you need to make it successful, but we can't give you the courage to, for you to get over your enough issues. So with that, I want to encourage you this morning, what is the issue that is enabling you to stay on the side of the pool rather than to get into the water. And so in this, what is your not enough? This man here had not enough. John chapter 5 verses 5 through 7 says this. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Everybody say 38 years. 
And when Jesus saw him lying there, he learned that he had been there in this condition for a long time. He asked him, do you want to get well? And the man immediately said, sir, I have no one to help me into the pool. When the water is stirred, while I am trying to get in, someone else goes ahead of me. Jesus asked him what he wants. And all the man can say is who abandoned him. How many of your miracles are on the other side of your excuses and blaming somebody else for your problem? How many of your miracles are so close to you, you just got to quit blaming somebody else that they didn't get to your water hole in time to put you in the pond? That's East Texas talk. This man, Jesus said to him, Damon, do you want to get well? And his first response was, somebody else's fault. They didn't get here on time. Every time I go there, nobody else shows up. And when somebody is here, they don't get me in ahead quick enough. Someone else didn't get me there in time. He said, I have no one. And when that someone does show up, he's not quick enough. Do, do we find this in life? It's on the other side of our excuse is where our miracle is waiting for us. And Jesus asked him what he wants, but all he can say is who abandoned him. But listen, everything he needed for his miracle was already there. He was in the house of mercy, held up by the roof in the colonnades of God's grace. And when the living water showed up, he was so fixed on the water that he couldn't get to, he didn't know when the living water appeared right before his very eyes. How many of us are so blinded by our bitterness of what somebody else didn't do for us that we're missing the miracle of the moment that's right in front of us? And I found in my life that when I'll quit blaming others for the current situation that I'm in, the miracle is right there waiting on me. When I'll get past my bitterness and my blaming of what somebody else didn't do for me, and God, if this would have been different, and God, if that would have been different, and God, if you would have put us here rather than there, and God, if you would have done this rather than that, if I would have made this decision rather than that, and if somebody would have just told me, when I'll push all that aside and put all the blaming aside, God's asking me a simple question. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Listen, Jesus asks him the obvious because Jesus is looking for an opportunity. Has God ever asked you an obvious question? Right? When God asks you an obvious question, He's looking for an opportunity to speak into your life. Do you want to be financially stable in your life? Everybody's, yes, He's looking for an opportunity. He's not looking for your response, He's looking for an opportunity. So when you say yes, it's not he's going to answer with an intervention. He's going to give you a fresh interpretation of his word. A lot of people say, do you want to be financially stable? Everybody's like, yes, and you're hoping money shows up in your checking account. But God says, open the Bible and read about tithing. Come on, somebody. Come on. I picked my toe up because I, I felt the pain in somebody else. So it was intercessory, like lifting your foot because it just got stepped on, right? We want God to change our bank account. He wants us to change our lifestyle. Because if he changes our bank account without changing our lifestyle, we're not going to have the lifestyle he really wants us to have. And so in this process, when Jesus asks him the obvious question, he was looking for an opportunity. And here's what the man did. Jesus asked him the obvious question, and the man took the opportunity to tell him all his problems. 
Now listen, I got in trouble for this in first service, and I'm going to get in trouble for it in second service, so I'm just going to go ahead and tell you the next part of the story. When Jesus is asking you a question, Jesus is a guy. He doesn't want a 30-minute response. He wants a three-second answer. Amen. Hallelujah. He's not looking for all the excuses. He doesn't need every detail to your story. He knows your story. He knows your story better than you. He knows your story so well. He knows every pain that you've gone through, and he's trying to set it up for a breakthrough because he promises, I'm going to work all things together for good. If you love me and if you're called according to my purpose, I'm going to work it together. I just got to get you past the bitterness so I can get you to this better place of where I'm calling you. But I know your pain more than you know your pain because I died for it before you were born. So Jesus isn't looking for a 30-second or 30-minute dissertation about all your problems. He's looking for a three-second answer. Now, all you men who are laughing and all you ladies who are offended, men, get over it because this dude's a guy. And he gave him the 30-minute answer. And men, we're just as bad about it as ladies. We just do it in a different way. And here's what I mean by that. Remember that half-pound bass you caught in third grade? I don't know how it became 10 pounds now, 38 years later. But you want to tell the story about how this monstrous fish, you hooked it on the line and it drug you into the pond and you had to hold on to your pole and drag it out and it was this big. Right? 38 years later, that fish got big. And you'll tell the story, just you like the intention being on you. So we all got the issue of telling our story and making it bigger and worse than it really is or bigger and better because you want the attention when Jesus asks you the obvious question he's not asking you to frustrate you he's asking you so he can finish doing a work in you he's not trying to frustrate you he's not trying to make you mad when he asks you the obvious question most of us get frustrated, but he's trying to do something to finish something in you. He's trying to get you to realize the work that he's doing. He's trying to shift a perspective in your life. He's trying to make you see it from his vantage point. And it's his advantage point when it's with Jesus. And so he's not trying to frustrate you. He's trying to finish something in you. Now listen to what he asked the man. Do you want to be healed or do you want to be made well? He did not ask him, do you want to feel better? Because... Jesus is God incarnate in the earth. He is not religion manifested in the earth. See, religion will make you feel better, but you'll never be better. So we got a lot of people coming to church with their dysfunction or their disability or their issue or whatever it is because we're just trying to gather with people with our like dysfunction. And we want to come to a place of religion, a house of religion, not a house of mercy held up by the colonnades of grace of God that will really bring life change. So we'll come to a place to feel better but never be better. We'll come to a place in this, in this house where, where we want to be comforted rather than cured. We don't really want to change. We don't really want the cure. We want to be comforted in the fact that it's okay to be where we're at. Jesus is never just okay with where you're at. He's trying to conform you into his image, trying to conform you into his likeness. And so he's going to challenge you in areas of your life to get past comfort 
to get to a place where he can cure you of whatever it is. Whether it be bitterness, whether it be unforgiveness, whether it be a physical issue. I don't want you to come here just to be comforted. I want you to come here to receive the cure, and that's Jesus Christ for everything in your life. Listen, he did not ask the guy, do you need help? The guy was telling Jesus how much help he needed. Jesus didn't ask if he needed help. <gasps> Jesus, why didn't you help this poor man? He didn't ask him if he needed help. Because help without a lifestyle change only leads to a handout. And too many people want to come to the church to get the handout without changing a lifestyle. Come on, hallelujah. I mean, you can walk out and not come back next week. It's okay. Because I'm not going to compromise what God is saying in His Word. The church too long has been a church of handouts, not help-ups. And there's people in this world who need a lift, not a handout. And so we need to be a church that understands we want to ask the right question. But we got to be willing to be asked the right question in our life. And so with this, Jesus didn't say, do you need help? See, religion can comfort. Religion can make you feel better. Religion can even give you help. But only Jesus can cure and change and move you to the place where you're supposed to be. And so I, I often read this story. And, and Jason, I wonder in reading this story as I read it, there were a bunch of people around the pool. Not just one. And I began to say, Jesus, why didn't you just do the mass healing and just heal them all? <laughs> right? I mean, he's Jesus. He can do this. And I said, why did you specify this one guy laying by the pool who had been there for 38 years? And notice the specifics of this. One guy, 38 years, knew the problem. Okay? Joel, I can heal everybody around that pool all at once, and I can do it just like that. But I wanted you to see that I'm such an individual God that I want a personal relationship with every single one, that I specified one man in the account. I specified the one issue to prove to you that I know every detail of all the pain for the last 38 years that this man had gone through. I've seen his problems. I've seen his sufferings. I've seen his shortcomings. I've seen all the ways he felt inadequate and insecure. I've seen all the people who passed him by. I've seen all the people who tried to help him out rather than help him up. I've seen all the issues, and I wanted to prove to you that I am a God who knows everything about every detail of your life, and whatever disability, dysfunction, or issue you're facing, God can fix it just like that this morning if come on will not avoid his question of do you want to get well because some of us have blended in so well with the disabilities in our side in our society jesus asks us the obvious question when jesus asks you an obvious question he's trying to separate you from your surroundings he's calling the man to separate himself from all the dysfunction that was holding him in some of us are so familiar with our circumstances, Jesus has to ask us a question to separate us from them. He asks us a question to pull us out of it. He asks us a question to, to, to get us from here to a thinking that's different and a lifestyle that's different. Now listen, if we're all honest, some of us would rather hang out with people of a similar dysfunction rather than answering the real question that Jesus is asking. And I'm going to challenge you this morning to get up. To get up. And answer the real question in your life. Well, what's going to cause you to change to become the person 
Jesus is calling you to be. Jesus said to the man, get up. Now here's the great paradox of this story. For the man to get up, he was going to have to lay everything down. A man who had been laying down for 38 years, for him to get up, he was going to have to lay down. He was already laying down. But his need was to get up. But on the inside, his need was already standing up, so he was going to have to lay his stuff down on the inside to stand up on the outside. He was going to have to lay down his 38 years of excuses on the inside to be able to stand up on the outside. Come on, somebody, that's good. He was going to have to lay down his blame of others on the inside to stand up on the outside. He was going to have to lay down his pity party of I have no one to help me in the pool on the inside and realize it's going to take accountability from me on the inside and I'm going to have to lay down my pity party on the inside if I'm ever going to stand up on the outside because i got to answer the man's question. And he never gave a verbal answer to the question. But you know he answered the question. Because he got up. He stood up. He had to lay down his identity which was his disability on the inside to stand up on the outside and some of you have been labeled by something all your life and it's your identity but you're going to have to lay down your identity which is now your disability on the inside if you're ever going to stand up on the outside and I want to talk to you just for a, briefly for a moment on this as the worship team's coming listen the, the, the position of pastor that I'm in and I hold at this church is an amazing gift that was given to me by Almighty God. But there's a reason I don't go around promoting myself as pastor. And here's why. Because the title of pastor, which is an awesome, awesome gift from God, that title of pastor can become a prison if you don't let me move forward. Does that make sense? The title of pastor... It wasn't just the platform that got me here, but it will now become a prison that confines me if you don't see me as more than just a pastor. Come on, somebody. Some of you in your life, you're in a prison because the platform that got you to where you're at, the people never let you out of the platform of the prison that you're now in. And there's so much more to Joel T. Meyer than just a pastor. There's so much more to me than, 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 than I can even express. And I'm ready to get to the power of God and the potential of God in me. But i got to get out of the prison of my identity that's kept me. Come on. So, so this man, his identity became just as much of his disability as his disability. What identity are you going by? Some of you are going by the identity of divorced. And your identity tag is just as much as your disability as the divorce was a crippling disability. But praise God, divorce is not the be-all, end-all sin. God forgives divorce. He heals from divorce. He heals broken hearts. He changes bitter hearts into hearts that can be flourishing again. But you've got to answer the question. And don't let your identity become your prison. And listen to the, th the thing about this guy here. Jesus, when he said this to the man, he said, get up, take up your bed and walk. Even though the man was avoiding the question, he still answered the question when he got up. The man wasn't waiting on the miracle. The miracle was actually waiting on the man. The man wasn't waiting on the miracle. The miracle was waiting on the man to answer the question. 
You're not waiting on a miracle from God this morning. You're not waiting on an answer from God. The fact is the answer of God is actually waiting on you. The miracle of God is actually waiting on you. You just got to answer the question by saying, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go receive what God has for me. And your miracle and your answer to your prayer is as close as the nearest prayer partner standing on the wall right now. But you got to decide, am I going to get up? Am I going to get up and am I going to go to where I know God can meet me because we're in the house of mercy under the colonnades of his grace and I got people waiting on me to get me out of the prison that I'm in. I just got to get up. So this is your time for everybody in the auditorium to stand up. I'm going to ask everybody to stand, balcony included. And at this time, I'm going to ask for nobody to leave. Nobody to leave the worship center. And at this time, we're going to start doing something different so you'll have private, personal ministry time. So right now, we're going to dismiss our online family. We want to say thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you for being at TWBC, your home away from home. Reach out to us by email or by private message. We love you. We're praying for you this week. We'll see you next Sunday.